Today's episode of Nerds Incorporated is presented by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, The Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, The Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite brands like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more, all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD, that's code P-O-D, POD, for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod.list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. And now, let's get into our episode of Nerds Incorporated. This podcast contains strong language, which isn't suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nerds Incorporated podcast. It's been a few weeks, but after a much-needed break to collect myself mentally, I'm finally back. And today, we've got quite the episode for you. In this episode, you'll hear various segments covering some recent nerd news, topics of interest for the week, and my thoughts on the brand new AJR album, OK Orchestra. So turn on those time circuits, grab your infinity stones, and prepare to make the jump to light speed. This is Nerds Incorporated. Stay tuned. Happy April 1st, my friends. Though it may be April Fool's Day, I promise there won't be any gags on today's episode, so you can all trust me 100% when I say the news you hear on today's episode is factual and honest. I absolutely despise it when, like, entertainment companies get our hopes up with fake announcements and, you know, trailers and all that. This morning I was watching a YouTube channel called Comic Book Cast, which is one of the many places I get my MCU leaks and news updates from. Today, they thought it'd be funny to officially confirm, quotes around officially confirm, that Henry Cavill is playing Wolverine in the MCU, and that the Punisher, John Bernthal, was spotted on set for Don Cheadle's standalone Marvel show, Armor Wars. After realizing what today's date was, you can probably imagine how royally pissed I was. Oh, it got me so mad. I was so excited, because I... (laughs) I'm not too sure who I want to play Wolverine. I I mean, there are a lot of people, like Scott Eastwood, Keanu Reeves, Henry Cavill. He's a decent choice, but I was so excited. I thought it was going to be tied to Falcon and the Winter Soldier somehow, which I haven't watched episode two yet, so no one spoil that for me, please. Um, But yeah, I was royally upset. And the fact that John Bernthal was back for the MCU could have meant for us Marvel fans that Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage would all be back to play their parts in future movies and stuff. So, yeah. But, I mean, Adult Swim's gag was pretty funny. If anyone saw that, when they pretended to announce Adult Swim Jr. and made a whole parody intro of Rick and Morty called Rick and Morty Babies... I mean, it's a great nod to Muppet Babies, and I genuinely found the whole thing rather funny. 
<sighs> Anyways, let's just get off that whole topic of April Fools. It, it, it bugs me mostly. We've got a great show for you today, my friends. I'll be talking about some speculation maps for the upcoming 30th anniversary of Halloween Horror Nights, as well as a map I made myself for houses I'd like to see. Along with this, I'm talking about rumors regarding Spider-Man No Way Home, YouTuber Markiplier's secret project that he goes off to film next month, and AJR's brand new album, OK Orchestra. Spoiler alert, I freaking love it. Before I get into that though, it's time for some nerd news. It was recently teased by popular YouTuber Markiplier, aka Mark Fishbach, that he will be leaving his home in about a month to film a project he has been cast in. He says he will be playing the lead role in this unnamed project and that he can't say anything other than that. Any Markiplier fan knows that the sequel to his most ambitious cinematic project, A Heist with Markiplier 2, is set to begin production sometime this year. However, Eagle Eye horror game fans have made a surprising connection. Screen Rant reported back in 2020 around November that Blumhouse is set to begin filming the live-action adaptation of the ever-popular Five Nights at Freddy's game this spring. Now, spring is around the period of March through May, and with Mark leaving to film something within this time period, many of his viewers have begun to speculate that the man who helped to make the game what it is today is involved with the horror film's production on some level, possibly as a lead actor. The only real thing that could be possible besides this is either a secret project that's not related to a heist with Markiplier 2 at all, or the sequel to Heist itself. As an avid viewer of his channel, I look forward to seeing this whole thing play out, and hopefully we'll see what happens with this secret role in the near future. Next up on the nerd news list, even though it's a little bit old, some leaked photos from the set of Spider-Man No Way Home reveal some very interesting details about the film that we've all been hoping were true. According to some cast and crew memorabilia, we finally get some solid confirmation of the live-action Spider-Verse with Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. On the shirt, a camera arm of some kind is depicted on the front with a Spidey we haven't seen in a long time hanging from it. This Peter Parker is none other than Andrew Garfield's, and he's wearing his suit from the first Amazing Spider-Man film. Along with this, we see some kind of font on a sticker or a thank you note of some kind that resembles the logo font used in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Either this is a fun nod to Spidey's past films or some kind of hint or confirmation that we'll be getting Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man as well. At this point, Marvel needs to release some kind of confirmation or a teaser trailer because Spider-Man fans are getting absolutely restless about this subject. Moving on, a trailer for the sequel to the original Space Jam movie arrives April 3rd and will feature the basketball legend himself, LeBron James. Posters dropped a few days before showing uh, the original teaser trailer. It was a short 15-second uh, teaser with uh, Wiley Coyote and uh, the Roadrunner. And these posters uh, show characters we'd be seeing in this long-awaited film. But I am sorry to say that if you are a Pepe Le Pew fan, you're going to want to set this movie out. According to most entertainment sites, the character has been removed from the film altogether as a way to put a stop to rape culture in modern media. And honestly, I'm surprised it took Warner Brothers this long to recognize what a creep this skunk character really is. Not to mention that he was into some cross-species stuff, too. Ugh. 
I mean, come on, he was chasing a cat for years. No one thought that was a little odd? Just me? And don't you dare try and justify it by shipping Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde from Zootopia. That's just as bad. Oh, God. I don't even know why I went on that tangent. <clears throat> you can check out the first trailer for Space Jam, A New Legacy, when it arrives tomorrow, April 3rd. Yeah, I know I said today was April 1st earlier on in the episode, but I'm recording the, re the, uh, the rest of the show on the 2nd. Just pretend it's still April Fool's Day. One last little headline for all of you horror freaks out there. I know I am. Don Mancini took to Twitter to announce that the all-new Chucky television series will be airing this fall exclusively on the Sci-Fi Network. The first episode is to be written and directed by Mancini and will be entitled Death by Misadventure. Not sure what this title could mean, but I'm excited nonetheless. Jennifer Tilly, a huge name in the Child's Play franchise, commented saying she's looking forward to it. Could this mean we get to see your character in the series as well? I guess we're going to have to wait to find out. Next up on the episode, we're going to take a look at some speculation maps for Universal's Halloween Horror Nights 30, as well as a maze map that I made myself, featuring some scare zones and houses that I would like to see at the event. Keep in mind this map that I made was originally for a contest for the RIP Tours podcast. You can check them out. Uh, I will put a at for their Twitter in the description of this episode. But enough of all that, let's get into the Thrill Ride Review. Alright, so bear with me because this section of the podcast is going to be a little, uh, you're going to hear a lot of hmms and haws uh, here because I do not have a, like, a script or anything in front of me, a list of things that I can talk about just off the top of my head. Uh, because I am looking at speculation maps, uh, there's not really a list of anything except on the map. I will be taking a look at some maps that people think will be accurate to the Halloween Horror Nights event that will be featured this year. Um, the one that I follow most when it comes to speculation maps, though, is Horror Night Nightmares. That is HN Nightmares on Twitter. They also have a podcast and a website, HorrorNightNightmares.com. You guys should check them out. Uh, I will be taking a look at their uh, Orlando speculation map. That's the one closest to me, which is, you know, kind of the only one I really care about. Usually, it, it depends on what location you're going to. Some years, Orlando has the better houses. Some years, Hollywood has the better houses. And I mean, some years, uh, European and Asian far-off land destinations have better houses, not European. Why did I say European? I don't think there's a European Universal Studios. Is there... Someone, please let me know if there is, because I might be missing out on that. But, some years, the Singapore Universal Studios has better stuff. But, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at, because this is the closest park to me, this is the one I'm really going to focus on. I'll watch both on YouTube, because, more likely than not, I won't be able to actually attend the event this year. I am just very much obsessed with Halloween Horror Nights, and everything to do with haunts, and stuff like that. So... We are going to take a look at the speculation map for Orlando. Let's get into it. So, there's going to be 10 houses this year at Halloween Horror Nights 30, along with uh, five scare zones and a show, along with attractions that'll be open. 
Usually the attractions that are open are Hollywood, Rip Ride Rocket, Transformers, Revenge of the Mummy, The Simpsons Ride, Escape from Gringotts, and Men in Black. Uh, because Islands of Adventure won't usually be open during this time. Because in past years, they have had Islands of Adventure open for Halloween Horror Nights. They did that for a few years to kind of get more tourists to go to that park because of low attendance. But um, they haven't done that in a while. I hope they go back to doing that. I think that would be really cool. But anyway, let's just get into this one. So... There were two houses that were featured last year as sort of mini houses because of COVID-19. And these are houses that are for sure going to return. Um, and I would agree with them. I would add them to my list of a speculation map, not a fantasy map. And these houses are Universal Monsters, The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, and Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Now, Universal has been doing a Universal Monsters sort of storyline house series for the past few years. They did Universal Monsters, they did Wolfman Meets Frankenstein, and this year they're doing Bride of Frankenstein. I'm assuming this is going to focus on the female monsters, female aspect of the Universal Monsters universe, like the bride, uh, uh, the, the brides of Dracula, stuff like that. I've seen a few videos, most of them are blurry and really hard to follow, but it, it seemed like they really ramped up the horror aspect for these female characters, because usually Bride of Frankenstein is kind of a love interest for Frankenstein and is a plot device used just for that. You don't normally see her as her own character, but it looks like the Universal Halloween Horror Nights team is looking to turn that sort of uh, notion around. Uh... Revenge of the Tooth Fairy is kind of a what happens when you don't put your tooth under the pillow. Tooth Fairy's going to come for you and take all your teeth. I thought that was a great idea for an original house, and I am excited to see that come back because the inside of the house had a very unique sort of setup. It was set up kind of like a book, kind of like scary tales. So it, it was, in a way, uh, a story for children, it's kind of like Krampus, you know, and like an urban legend of what happens if you don't put your tooth fairy, uh, if you don't, wow, I am, <sighs> most viewers know I don't do good with words, so bear with me, please, um, what happens if you don't put the tooth under your pillow for the tooth fairy, or what happens when you misbehave around Christmas like Krampus, that sort of thing, so, it was a very nice, unique house, and I hope they do bring this back, because most people didn't get to experience this, and it's a very unique house with a unique aesthetic, and a lot of good scares. Um, also announced for this year, so we don't really have to add that to the speculation map, is Beetlejuice. One of my favorite all-time movies and horror properties is coming back to the event. I am so excited, because Beetlejuice is just an icon of pop culture and horror, and he's recently had a musical, so his popularity has been going up. I love the musical, by the way. Oh my god, it is such a fun show. Uh, the music is great, but we're not here to talk about the musical, we're here to talk about the house. Um, they did open up the house for, I believe, one day, or like a handful of days for people who were there at the time, just to sort of preview what it would be like. It was... A little tame, 
compared to what I thought they would do, because they turned Ghostbusters into a scary house. And I'm like, Universal can turn anything scary for their Horror Nights events. I mean, they could, they could turn, I don't know, Men in Black into a scary house. I think they could do an excellent job with that, because some parts of Men in Black were scary when I was a kid. So, yeah, Beetlejuice, that is a for sure thing happening. Now on to the... Oh, no, there is one last one. There is one last one. So, during HHN Forever, the event that was going on during the time when Halloween Horror Nights couldn't actually function during 2020 because of the pandemic, they showed a behind-the-scenes video of a house entitled Puppet Theater Captive Audience about a, a group of European actors or like a touring troupe of actors and performers who get trapped in a theater and they go insane. And anyone who ends up going in there gets carved and turned into a puppet. Hence the name Captive Audience. Um, this also has a unique aesthetic, kind of like Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. It's very, uh, it's very old-fashioned because it's set in the past. So expect a lot of old creepy puppets like nothing like you'd see on sesame street kind of like marionettes and like little wooden puppets like pinocchio of some kind it's not really pinocchio but it's it's like pinocchio because of the the, the way the puppet is made it's supposed to be centered around european culture and the way europeans would make puppets so yeah as a avid Muppet fan uh, and a Sesame Street fan when I was a kid, uh, this is definitely going to turn my sort of unhealthy obsession with puppets on its head. I wanted to be a puppeteer when I uh, was younger. I wanted to work for Sesame Workshop or Jim Henson or something. I always thought that would be a cool experience because I idolized the Muppets when I was younger. But we're not talking about the Muppets. We're talking about puppet theater captive audience. So, that is also a for sure house coming back. So, with this speculation map, there really isn't a whole lot of houses that you wouldn't think of. Because, yeah, last year for 2019's event, or after 2019's event, everyone was speculating things like, oh, the Billie Eilish house and uh, Haunting of Hill house which is also a house featured on this map because of how popular the show is itself. My girlfriend watches it. I haven't watched it fully, that is. I've seen, like, the first two episodes, I believe, a long time ago. Excuse me. Whew. You talk for a long time and you need some water. Um, but this show is incredibly popular in the world of horror. My Spanish teacher in high school talked about it in class. That's how popular this stuff was. So, these guys at HN Nightmares believe that The Haunting of Hill House will get some kind of representation in this uh, event. And I, I kind of think that it is kind of likely. <clears throat> um, now, moving on to some houses that they believe... Uh, will be featured. Uh, an original house they call the Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin. I'm not sure where they're getting this title from. 
but Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin, that kind of sounds like Seeds of Extinction, but focusing on pumpkins? Like pumpkin-like demons? Maybe Wicked having to do with some kind of witch? Uh, maybe this is kind of like a tie-in to the Scary Tales house? I'm not too sure. I can't really make any logical guesses based off just this title alone. So I'm going to leave it at, it could be a tie to Scary Tales, or it could be some kind of um, house-like Seeds of Extinction, where pumpkins come alive, and they are not good. They want to carve you. You don't want to carve them. <laughs> um, another one that was widely speculated is uh, a Cary, Ohio kind of house, because Cary, Ohio is the origin place of one of the designers of Halloween Horror Nights events. So she or he turned the sort of Cary, Ohio into a Halloween Horror Nights-based location. Kind of like uh, Castle Rock for Stephen King or Hawkins, Indiana for Stranger Things, right? It's, a, it's just a well-known location for this sort of event's lore. Um, they're calling it Welcome to Scary horror in the heartland so i'm guessing it's a combination of all the weird things that happened in Cary, ohio and just mash it up into this house along with a hhn icons captured so an icon house based off of the beloved icons of past years kind of like jack the clown the director the caretaker the storyteller the usher uh Jack's brother, whom I cannot remember the name of as of right now. Maybe Cindy will come back because uh, she was scrapped because of all those missing children things that were happening down in Orlando around the time that Cindy became a reality. Oof. Um, <laughs> wolf, am I right? <laughs> uh, now I feel bad for making that joke. Um, but yeah, along with maybe Lady Luck, uh, Chance maybe even uh fear himself fear itself i don't know if fear has a gender in this case but maybe we'll find out this year who knows they they're bound to have some kind of icon based house or celebration because this is the 30th anniversary of halloween horror nights after all um and last but not least horror night nightmares says that creep show will be a house that will be featured at this event because they are dropping their second season very, very soon. I have to catch up. I don't believe... I believe I have not seen any of the first season of the Creepshow reboot, and I've been wanting to for a long time. I should probably get into that. Anywho! <laughs> As for scare zones, they believe there will be a 30th anniversary zone with all the icons and stuff, or just past sort of images... That will be featured in the scare zone. An original scare zone, a creep show scare zone, a best of scare zones mashup, and a Terra Cruentis scare zone, which is kind of like their original. It's also like an original map that was widely popular during the time of early days of Halloween Horror Nights. So that's going to do it for this speculation map. Let me see if I can find any others. Oh, oh, I completely forgot about this. Um, also on this speculation map, I, I don't know how I missed it. Uh, they said Texas Chainsaw. Not sure why. I mean, was there a reboot announced anytime soon? I, I'm not sure. 
but I mean, Texas Chainsaw is a classic, so I wouldn't mind seeing this one. All right, let me. So I can't really find any new speculation maps. So we're just gonna go over the one that I believe. My my fantasy map, at least. So let me pull that up quick. All right, here we go. So I did this as a contest for the R.I.P. Torque podcast, who uh was going to feature this on their show, but I don't think they ended, ended up doing it. But anyway, I, I would love to see this house uh, list and scare zone list come back for the event. Not come back... You know what I mean. <laughs> um, so, as I said before, ten houses, five scare zones. Let's go. So the first one on my list, I said the Lantern's Wrath. Fears Army, the Icon House, which is kind of like Icons Captured, but I tied in the whole Lantern thing that was featured during the 20th anniversary event. So I hope they do something along those lines. That one was kind of similar to Icons Captured. Another one that I would like to see is the Book of Jordan Peele, which sort of features a lot of his works, kind of like Get Out, Us, Candyman, and hopefully his new... A grocery store based movie that's supposed to come out at least I think it was like a, a Walmart based horror movie that's what I heard I don't know <laughs> uh, there's not much to explain for that house that's kind of self-explanatory in a way um, another one that they did do in the past not exactly zombies but they did do a Marvel-based haunted house back in the early 2000s, I believe, during the Islands of Adventure run of Halloween Horror Nights, where they turned uh, I, uh, the Marvel superhero island into like a destruction and chaos villain-run island. Uh, and this house was originally called Maximum Carnage, featuring the symbiote Carnage and his goonies of some kind attacking the guests. I want to see another Marvel-based house, except it's based off of the Marvel Comics series Marvel Zombies, where we see our favorite heroes and villains zombified and attacking the guests, kind of like the Avengers and the X-Men, kind of like going at it and going at the guests as well. I think that would be a really cool thing. Fans, I'm sure plenty of fans would come to see that. Even though, you know, Marvel is now owned by Disney, I still think... They could somehow arrange a way to just use the comics version of these characters as zombies and just go to town with it. I think that would be really cool. Um, another one we got right here is El Chupacabra, Mexico in Peril, kind of like a cryptid-based haunted house, like in the style of uh, La Llorona, but a little different because it's focused on the, ch the Chupacabra, not La Llorona. So... I would like to see it because the Chupacabra is kind of like a dog-like animal. So they've done like big puppet-like animals like for American Werewolf in London and Ghostbusters, the terror dogs. I'd like them to make their own version of what the Chupacabra would look like and just to have that pop out at guests and scare the living shit out of them. I think that would be really cool. Another house I had listed was Titans of Terror, The Return. So it's like Freddy, Jason... Leatherface, and a bunch of other uh, terror icons like Chucky, maybe Jigsaw, all combined to scare the living shit out of guests. 
Um, there's not much really to say there. So it, it would be kind of like a sequel house to the original Titans of Terror and the Titans of Terror uh, backlot tour bus sort of maze. Excuse me while I take another sip of water. Ah, oh, that's so much better. Um, moving on, we'd have Tales from the Crypt, Keeper's Choice. So select episodes from the Tales from the Crypt original series that aired from the 90s, uh, early 80s, not early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, or late 90s, I'm not sure. I've always wanted to watch the show, I just never got around to doing so. I gotta watch Creep Show and Tales from the Crypt now, Jesus. <laughs> but... Since the Crypt Keeper was one of the original hosts of Halloween Horror Nights back in the early 90s, I believe they should bring it back for the 30th anniversary. I think that would be a really special thing, along with the Icon House. Um, another house that I believe that would really change the game in terms of horror and scariness would be a horror movie that hasn't left my mind since I first watched it. Watched it, excuse me. And it's haunted my nightmares since. Uh, if any of you have heard of the Australian-made horror movie, The Babadook, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're an avid horror fan, I highly recommend you check this film out. Otherwise, if you're not really into horror, I really recommend you stay away from this film. It's terrifying and i mean that with every ounce of my being you will have nightmares based off of this film i'm not joking this, this is not an over exaggeration i was scared shitless watching this movie <laughs> um i don't want to spoil anything so if you want to check out this movie go right ahead and check it out but be warned it's terrifying um Another one was suggested by my mother. Uh, one of her favorite horror movies was The Haunting in Connecticut. I have not myself seen this one, so I believe it's kind of like a Amityville. Oh, why didn't I think of Amityville? Damn it! Oh, that would have been a good one. That would have been a real good one. Yeah, say la vie, I guess. <laughs> Um, another house I would want to see, and I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of horror and sci-fi fans would agree with me, a lot of 90s kids too, The X-Files. I believe if Fox and Universal collaborated to make an X-Files-based house, they would strike haunt gold. And I mean that, because The X-Files is both scary and not scary in a way, but Universal knows how to make things scary. So, I believe they could really pull off an epic X-Files-based house with, like, their Monsters of the Week and the ongoing alien-based sort of storyline. I think they would do a really good job of it. Plus, I think fans would love to see Mulder and Scully and Skinner and all their other favorite characters within the maze. Kind of like, like Stranger Things, you know? Last on my list is Ghostbusters 2, a sequel house to the original Ghostbusters. I'm sure many Ghostbusters fans would agree with me when I say it's, under, it's an underrated classic, and I believe that they would make a really good house out of this. As for Scare Zones, to honor their past, I would love to see them bring back The Walking Dead. I would love to see a Salem Witch Trial-based Scare zone. I called it Salem Witches on Trial because I'm so creative. 
I'd like to see a cryptid-based scare zone with a bunch of cryptids like Mothman, the uh, Bigfoot, even the Chupacabra, a tie-in to sort of that house. Um, I'd love to see Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Uh, that would be a really freaking cool house. Uh, not house. A house, too, but I would love to see it as a scare zone in the open because I don't think they could really make it work in a maze form. That's just me. And one last one that... I should have made a house, but I decided to make a, a scare zone based off of the terror, uh, the town terrorizing scene is Gremlins. Gremlins has to come to Universal Halloween Horror Nights at some time, at some point, you know? I think they make a really good job out of that, you know? They make anything scary, so that's why I'm saying that. But we're going to have to wait and see what the future holds as for Halloween Horror Nights 30 because they still have yet to announce brand new houses. I think the Twitter teased something along the lines of announcing something very soon because they announced Beetlejuice back in March. So, we're going to have to wait and see what the future holds for Halloween Horror Nights 30. Before we get into the rest of the episode, I just want to take a quick word to mention two other sponsors that we have for today. That's right, too. Not only do we have Anchor, our host for this podcast, our lovely, lovely host, we have a brand new partner. Um, you've been to theme parks, right? I'm sure you guys have. And you recognize all those sweet smells of, like popcorn and churros and certain scents you'd smell on rides and then you end up going home and you miss those scents and you can't go back to those parks for a long time because of well let's say a pandemic and you want to relive those scents well now you can i am partnering up with park scents they help you to relive the adventure they have certain scents in candle form like flume candle which is scented to be like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, or Extraterrestrial Adventure, like the E.T. ride. The Poly Lobby is the Polynesian Resort's lobby scent. Like, how crazy is that? They have ones that are themed after Butterbeer, which is called Wizard Beer. Uh, they have one that's themed after Walt's office that's pre preserved for years. They've got one that's scented like the Haunted Mansion and Halloween Horror Nights. Not sure what Halloween Horror Nights smells like, but like probably fog and like fake guts. That'd be a cool candle, honestly. I would honestly buy that candle. <laughs> um, yeah, but if you want to get a candle from ParkSense.com, you can, and I can help. If you use the code Nerds Inc., you will get 20% off your order. That is N E R D S I N C, Nerds Inc live for 20% off your Park Sense candle order. So go to parksense.com if you want to relive the adventure. And now, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take the time for, I'm guessing the rest of the show, to talk about something I've been waiting for since they first announced it. It's not a film. It's not a show. It's not a book, it's not a piece of merchandise, it's an album. I'm surprised this is the first time we're talking about music on Nerds Incorporated. But, say la vie, I guess, that's the second time I've said it this episode, I have no new ideas. <laughs> of course, I am talking about my favorite band, AJR. 
and they released their brand new album back in March on the 26th entitled OK Orchestra. And if I had to describe this album in one word, cinematic. It's not like a typical score per se, it's actual song songs. But everything about it just reminds you of a movie or a musical or some kind of theatrical event. Every song will make you feel something new. Happiness, sadness, questioning your own existence. You'll be cry you could be feeling goosebumps and joy in one song and on the floor crying in the next. This band has the power to do that. They have so many amazing songs. You've probably heard popular songs like Bang or Way Less Sad, My Play, Bummerland, and even older songs that they've had. If you are an AJR fan, you probably recognize Burn the House Down or A Hundred Bad Days or Week. They have albums like Neo Theater, The Click, and Living Room, and so many other really cool singles. But they are an indie pop, electric pop, and sort of like a doo-wop kind of group composed of three brothers, Adam, Jack, Jack, Jack. Wow, I feel awful for saying that. Jack. Um, Adam, Jack, and Ryan met. The band writes, produces, and mixes their material in the living room of their apartment in New York City. Some of their most successful songs include I'm Ready, Burn the House Down, Sober Up, Weak, and Bang. They originate from Manhattan. And... I gotta say, they are an amazing, amazing band. They they come up with some of the most unique songs and pieces you have ever heard in your entire life. If you have not heard a single AJR song, you need to sit down and listen right now. And the album I suggest you start with is OK Orchestra. Every album they do starts off with an overture. All their songs sort of a preview of what's to come in the album, all in one grand four minutes and 32 seconds, and it it blew me away. I was in tears by the end of it. It's just, I, I assume it's because I'm an AJR fan that I'm so enthralled with the type of music that they make. They're very unique, they're very original, they speak on a lot of social things. It's a lot of social commentary, but also it's a lot of personal commentary that comes from the inside of them. It speaks about their problems and their their relatability to the public. It's not like they're trying to pander. They're just saying, hey, I feel this, and uh, maybe you feel this too. Maybe you can relate. But OK Overture starts off describing all the different songs on their album. The 12 songs include OK Overture, 3 O'Clock Things, Joe, Bang, Ordinaryish People featuring the Blue Man Group, World's Smallest Violin, Christmas in June, Bummerland, My Play, Adventure is Out There, The Trick, Humpty Dumpty, and Way Less Sad. Those aren't in order, obviously, but uh, those are all the songs that are featured on the album. Uh, they just really tap into their inner child and their inner past. Like, some of their different songs, like Joe is about a... A uh, person they used to know back in grade school who they looked up to as an idol. At least one of them did. My play is about divorce. Adventures out there is about feeling like you're missing out on so much because you're stuck inside all the time. Uh, world's smallest violin is kind of a problem a lot of us have, thinking that we all have it bad, but we know someone else has it worse, and that doesn't necessarily help. Uh, 
and the trick is about pretending to be someone else and reckoning with the repercussions of those lies that you tell. It's it's all just so tragically beautiful. Um, I'd go song by song, but like, I I that I would take hours just to analyze each song. So I'm gonna only cover my favorite ones. I'd have to start with the OK Overture. And like I said, it's a mashup of every single song on the on the track list, whether it be one melody or a lyric, they all mash up in one way or another. Um it's just you can tell that they really want to make this work because they make the the overture so grand and very cinematic because most musicals have an overture. I think that's the reason why they did this because they grew up in a very musical central area because of Broadway. You know, they're from New York City. It would make sense for them to want to sort of in, embrace their sort of um the roots, you know? Uh their performers by heart. So okay, overture it's not my favorite, but it's up there in terms of giving me goosebumps. It really sets you up for the album. And it, it it pretty much tells you what you're going to experience. This is like, this is us. This is what you're going to feel. Just bear with us and let us tell you our story. And then it jumps into Bummerland immediately after. Every songs are sort of like seamlessly transitions from one to the next. And it's amazing how they're able to do that. Especially with different instrument sounds. They've, they've figured out how to like transfer from a trumpet sound to a human voice through like uh, editing, really, really precise editing, and it's just, it's mind-boggling. If you want to see an example of this, I recommend you listen to their song, Bummerland, and, uh, towards the end of the song, I believe it's called a bridge, where there, there's no music, it's just, like, a segue from, like, the middle of the song to the end of the song, and they transition from instrument to instrument to instrument, from, like, voice to trumpet to drums to, like, keyboard, I think it's, it's just so damn cool. Um, next up on my list has to be... Um, I'd have to say World's Smallest Violin. Um, I don't like to talk about my personal problems on the podcast, but, and I'm not trying to receive pity from my audience, but I have depression, and... My depression causes me to look at certain aspects of my life, and I start to think that, oh, I have it so bad, when I when I shouldn't. You know, someone out there always has it worse. Um, the opening line of the song is, My grandpa fought in World War II. He was such a noble dude. I can't even finish school. Miss my mom. I left too soon. Um, continuing on, his dad was a fireman. He fought fires so violent. I think I bored my therapist while playing him my violin. He's he's talking to a therapist, comparing his uh, problems to uh, the problems of his family in the past. Like, his grandfather served in World War II. He went through so much more shit than you could have ever. Like, there's always someone out there who's going to have it worse, but that doesn't always solve 
the problem and it doesn't always make you feel better. Like you could be like, oh, my girlfriend cheated on me and now I have no place to live. At least I'm not an African child starving, right? Sometimes it just, it, it really puts things in perspective, but it doesn't always make you feel better. And they really touch on that subject really, really well. And that's what I love about the song. I love That's what I love about AJR. They really know how to not pander, but relate to their audience. They just show that they're human. They have flaws like you and me. And th this is what a this is what a celebrity or a music artist should be. They shouldn't act like these these god tier level individuals. They're people like you and me. You, you got to really respect the fact that they're not just trying to make themselves look like gods or superstars. They're just people, and they want to make art and they want to make content that shows that they're as human as you and me, and that they can relate to someone on like on a physical, mental, or a spiritual level even. That's why I love these guys. That's why I love AJR. Moving on, um, Christmas in June is the end song of the the uh, the album, but it it's beautifully tragic as well as just it's a love song slash a um another one of those existential crises songs for AJR about um their career and where they're gonna go in the future. The song is about, um, the narrator of the song is talking to his girlfriend saying he's missed out on so much because of him trying to build his career, like doing promos on the radio, playing empty concerts, and, uh, just explaining that someday I'm going to be big, but you're always my first priority. And it, it really makes you sad. Like this guy wants two different things. He, he wants to create so much that the p he can share it with the people and get that public respect, but he also wants to find love. And it's... That's very relatable because I have a girlfriend whom I will be introducing in the future as a co-host. Side note, but we're going to get back to what I was saying. Um, and I also have recently switched my major from English to theater arts, and I want to be an actor. I want to, because I feel like that's my calling. I feel like acting is something I truly enjoy doing, being in theater, being in the film industry in some way, some form. I want to make a name for myself in the industry. I want to be an actor. But I also want to have a life with my girlfriend. I want to make sure she's okay. And balancing the both of them is going to be hard. And this Christmas in June song really speaks to me because... He has to, like, bend his schedule to, like, can we do Christmas in June? Um, certain things are going to get in the way, so we got to pre-schedule them. And then he, he starts talking about, what else am I going to miss? Am I going to miss the birth of my kid because of all this? Because I'm going to tour this album? It, 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 really, it really ends the album in a very depressing yet beautiful way. And I would have to say it's one of, if not the favorite of the list. Because it's just so hard to pick and choose your favorite AJR songs. All of them are beautiful in their own way. And it's just, you can't have one favorite. Everything about AJR, everything is just, every song speaks to you on a whole new level. Different problems, different types of situations... 
from social with your friends, missing out on hanging out with them because they're because you're so busy with your career, or missing out on life because you're stuck inside. Like, Adventure is Out There, So Why Am I In Here is a lyric from their song Adventure is Out There. Uh, the trick is something I can relate to. Um, embarrassingly enough, back in the back in the seventh grade, I lied to my entire seventh grade art class saying my uncle was a famous Hollywood director and that he was hosting a contest along with Nickelodeon to come up with movie ideas and that they would be eventually be made into a movie. Secretly, I was just trying to look cool in my class because I was I was very much a loser. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't very popular. Not like that matters, though, right? You go through school and you deal with the whole. I want to be popular, but also I don't want to have to deal with the drama and crap like that. Thank God I'm in college now. Oh God, I'm taking online classes, so it's great. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm getting at, though. What I'm getting at is that sometimes lies can get you into certain situations that you can't back out of, and they just keep piling on top of one another. Though it's not one of my favorites, it definitely speaks to me. And that's why I'm saying all of these songs on every album, they, they speak to something different, someone different, if not everyone at the same time. Because we're all human, we all make mistakes, and we all go through similar situations. Things happen. But we need to know that we all go through these things if we ever want to grow as people and bond with one another. I think that's unintentional by AJR, but it, it definitely does that sort of thing. AJR is about life. AJR and their music is a metaphor for life. What it is, what you feel things you go through through the past, what you're looking forward to or nervous about in the future, what you're dealing with today. That's what AJR is. That's what they stand for, even if it's not intentional. That's what they mean to me. And OK Orchestra really made me think about these things on a deep, existential level. Every song had something new to give. Like, I just... I've given examples, so you, you know what I'm talking about. Even my play, I, ha I have some issues with my parents and their divorce. I'm not going to get into that in a podcast, because this is Nerds Incorporated, baby. But I, I, I'm... Everyone's been through a divorce situation, I'm sure. In some way, shape, or form. Like, their parents get divorced... Uh, family members get divorced, and it causes family tension. And it, it, it just speaks to me. That's the bottom line. AJR speaks to me, and this album did just that, but to the max. So, OK Overture, World's Smallest Violin, Christmas in June, My Play, uh, Adventures Out There, and even Way Less Sad. And Those are my favorites, but every song on this track list is amazing in its own way and I love the entire thing I love what these guys do and I hope that they continue to inspire creativity and they they, 
they're kind of like musical therapists in a way. It's like when no one else gets what you're going through, these guys do. And that's the beauty of it. That's what makes these guys special. They're normal people. They're not superstars. They know what you're going through. And they can relate. They're human. They have flaws. You have flaws. You have bad days. They have bad days. You get happy. They get happy. You get sad. They get sad. Etc. 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 AJR... That's why AJR is the perfect band to me. That's why they are my favorite and have been for a little while now. And they will continue to be because of the amazing music and messages they put out to the public. Overall, OK Orchestra is a solid 5 out of 5 stars. It was an experience. If you have not heard OK Orchestra... It is available wherever you can listen to music, like Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify. It's just... It's something special. It did not disappoint. It did not disappoint at all. On any level for me, at least. But yes, I highly recommend that you guys check out this album. AJR's OK Orchestra is streaming wherever you can listen to music. Before I end the episode, I have a special announcement to make. I have an official co-host. I will no longer be hosting this show alone, and I will no longer be interviewing guests all by myself. I am introducing a co-host, and I am very excited to have her on the show. You've heard of her before. You know how much I adore her, how much I love her. Lexi, my girlfriend, will be joining me for here on out for future episodes for Nerds Incorporated. She'll be a newcomer in the next episode, so I hope you guys love her as much as I do. She's a great gal. She's fun to talk to. She's uh, she's chaotic and she in all the right ways, of course. <laughs> but yeah, next episode, you guys will be hearing from my brand new co-host. And without further ado, let's close up for the day. And here we are, the end of another episode of Nerds Incorporated. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. It's been a blast. I'm finally back. I'm so sorry that I was gone for like, what, a month, a few weeks, somewhere in between. (laughs) Um, But I look forward to making new episodes in the future, having new guests. Uh, I've been reaching out to some fun people, so hopefully we have some great episodes in the future, along with the fact that I now have a co-host. So, yeah, everything's looking peachy keen for Nerds Incorporated. We've got new new sponsors, new partners, new co-host. Everything's looking great. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to Nerds Incorporated. If you want to check us out, you can check out our website. We actually have a link in our Twitter feed. If you want to check us out on Twitter, we are at Nerds Inc. Pod. That is Nerds Inc. Pod. Don't, don't spell out the full Nerds Incorporated. Trust me, I've had people try that and they're like, we don't, we can't find your podcast. And it's just, it gets old. Um, we have that. We have a website. 
oh yeah, Twitter. I don't know if I've ever mentioned the Twitter before. If I haven't, well, here you go. Now you know about the Twitter. Um, and check us out on Anchor, the link in our bio, and help support this show. If you love this show and you love what we do and love what we talk about, why not consider donating? The podcast money doesn't grow on trees, and we need, uh, we need to be able to make the podcast that you all enjoy. Uh, from here on out. So if you want to support us, you can donate as much as you want. Uh, click the link in our bio, and on the main page, there should be a support button. And there should also be a support button on our website, which is sponsored by WordPress. Not sponsored per se, but it's it's helped to be made by WordPress. You see, there I go with words I cannot pronounce. I can't pronounce sentences. I can't believe I was an English major. Why didn't you guys stop me? <laughs> Anywho, I shouldn't be keeping you for much longer. Thank you very much for joining another episode of Nerds Incorporated. My name is Dominic Abraham. Take care. This has been a Nerds Incorporated podcast. You can listen to this podcast wherever they're distributed. And this episode has been brought to you by Anchor. The easiest way to make a podcast. Looking for a new streamer to watch on Twitch but not sure where to look? Boy, do I have the answer for you. Check out Fox Solo Spice. F-O-X-S-P-I-C-E-S-O-L-O. That's Fox Solo Spice.